Uh, last week we kicked off this message series about discovering God's will, and it was the very first message uh, in that series. So uh, if you're here today, we'll give you a little brief follow-up. You can also listen to it online. But last week we discovered that God has this will and this plan for our life, and he doesn't share it to us for us to just consider it, but he only shares it with us when we are ready to be obedient and to follow it. Today we're going to focus on the role of the Holy Spirit in discovering God's will, and let me tell you where we're going. What we're going to see is that Jesus is the one who came and promised the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that, and then secondly, we're going to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians where we find out what the, the ingredients for following the Holy Spirit would be, and then finally I'm going to wrap up and give you some practical applications three steps to help us connect with God's Spirit and how God's Spirit works in our lives. So, you got that? Everybody good? Up to speed? All right, let me pray, and then we'll jump into things. Hey, God, I just pray over the next 25 to 30 minutes that uh, you would make your word come to life in, uh, in our lives. And may we, may we see it more, not just sentences and words, but may we see it as the ability to bring life change into us. And Father, how you have inspired your word. And uh, through my words, may, um, may your Holy Spirit just be active in, and convict and change and help us to grow closer to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, Stephanie, I want you to put that symbol up on the screen. All right, a lot of you know what that symbol represents, right? A lot of you do. If you're not very techie, you may not know what it means, but it is the universal symbol for Wi-Fi, for wireless connectivity. Now, back in the day, I remember before there was internet, and I know some of you may not be able to remember life before there was internet. Actually, I remember when we had the dial-up modem. Did anybody else have a 28.8? Uh, yes. It was, I had this blazing fast 28.8 dial-up modem, and I would hook my phone line up into it, and then it would make this awesome sound when it connects, and you would hit the button, and it'd go... Like, I don't know why it made that sound, but it, it made some kind of weird sound like that, and then you would be able to connect to American Online, and you thought your life was sweet. And uh, we had no idea what broadband was, and then and later on, they came up with this thing called Wi-Fi. Now, um, if you if you always understood Wi-Fi and you have Wi-Fi, sometimes, like I understand with my kids, sometimes they don't understand um, how it all works. My daughter, Lyric, about eight years ago, she, we were on vacation. She takes my laptop, and she got it in the back of the van. We're traveling through Missouri, like 75 miles an hour. She opens up the laptop. She's like, Dad, the Internet's lost. It won't work. I'm like, Honey, we don't have Internet connection in the van. She's like, whatever, Dad. I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, now we're so connected in our world, and a lot of that has to do with Wi-Fi. And so Wi-Fi is this thing that connects us to the Internet, and we use it on tablets, we use it on laptops, we use it on smartphones, we use it all over. And it's this beautiful thing that allows us to connect, and yet it's invisible. We don't see it. In fact, if it all works, we, we don't even know that it's, it's there. It just mysteriously just keeps on going. And so when we're connected to Wi-Fi, it allows us to do great things. Like we can, you know, see uh, the guy who's sat next to us in chemistry class in high school. We can look at his vacation photos on Facebook. Or, you know, you can get an important email that maybe your boss, you know, tells you you get an extra week of vacation this week. Or, you know, you can download your favorite Miley Cyrus song and just, you know, have it 
cranked up and be partying in the USA, you know, as you go on your walk or whatever, all because of Wi-Fi. Now, why am I telling you this? Because there's a principle, there's a value that we have at Exodus, and you've heard maybe me talk about it, and you've heard Matt talk about it, or maybe if you're new, you haven't heard us talk about it, where we believe that the invisible world is real. Meaning that there's a physical world that we're all used to, you know, we all see, it's, it's the world that we live in. But the Bible talks about there being this invisible world, this world of forces of good and evil that's going on all around us. And we believe at Exodus and the Bible teaches that it is very, very real. And in many ways, it's a little bit like Wi-Fi because it's going on around us and we don't see it. You don't necessarily walk into a room and it's there. It's there and there are times you can see it and you can become more in tune to seeing it and seeing the forces of it, but it's not right out in front of us. But when you and I connect to it, when we believe and when we understand how God works in the invisible world, we see the movement of God in a very powerful way. So I told you today that we were talking about the Holy Spirit. So this is kind of like Holy Spirit one-on-one today in my, in my message. But here's what I want you to, to take home. With, uh, with all that I'm going to say, here's the bottom line. The Holy Spirit's role is to guide, prompt, protect, and counsel. To guide prompt, protect, and counsel. Now, there's some other things that the Holy Spirit does, but those are kind of the big four. And a huge component to discovering God's will for your life is understanding how the Holy Spirit works and how he plays a part in that. So we're going to start by turning in our Bibles to John chapter 14. So if you brought a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to that passage or follow it on your phone or uh, we'll have this verses up on the screen. But when we, as, as we're doing that, let's talk about first what the Holy Spirit is, okay? Because when I say that, Holy, when you say those two words, a lot of people have a lot of things that, that come to mind, and it may have to do with your experiences growing up, good or bad, and uh, other times you've heard the Holy Spirit referred to as Holy Ghost, which is a, more of an older term, but uh, I was always a little creeped out about the Holy Ghost when I was a little kid, because I'm immediately thinking of Casper, or like, that he's what, like 50% uh, opaque, and I can kind of see through him, or does he like wear a, a white sheet over his head, and have like two eyes cut out, you know, and walk around like that, like E.T. E. when he was going trick-or-treating, so... Um, but the Holy Spirit is not like that at all. The Holy Spirit is also not a gut feeling. Sometimes we think, well, the Holy Spirit's just this gut feeling that I have, which it could, it, it could be, but it's not just based on your gut feeling, okay? It's connecting to a, a deeper source. And the Holy Spirit is one of the three ways in which God reveals himself to us. Maybe you've heard it referred to as the Trinity, meaning three, that there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all part of God. It's not like one's God and one's not. They're all part of God. They're all equally a part of God, but they're three different ways in which God reveals himself. And it's easy for us to st- understand the Father. It's easy for us to understand Jesus. But sometimes when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we don't quite understand that. But I want to look in John chapter 14, because we're going to see that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had more of a limited role, but in the New Testament, that role in which he plays in our lives is expanded greatly. So John chapter 14, starting with verse 15, this is what we read. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now that's another name for the Holy Spirit. That's a reference there to the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him because the Holy Spirit lives in the invisible world that we were talking about. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit lives within followers of Jesus and in followers of Jesus. And as Jesus was leaving, this is when he's kind of wrapping up his time on earth, he says, I am going to leave, which they didn't really want to hear that because they had some other things that they were thinking that Jesus was going to do. But he said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you and live in you. Now, I'm, I'm sure they kind of didn't know what that meant at the time. But notice that Jesus also calls the Holy Spirit a counselor, okay? Because the Holy Spirit's role is also to com comfort and convict in our lives. And as the Holy Spirit isn't a tangible, physical being, but he is a spiritual being that dwells, Jesus said, within the lives of those who follow him. That's what Jesus promised as he was leaving. Now in verse 15, John gives us more insight to the Holy Spirit's role, and his role is partly his role is to assist us in obeying Christ. So the Holy Spirit is to share God's will with his people. That's part of what he does. He is part of helping us discover God's will. Because the Holy Spirit's roles are to guide, to prompt, protect, and counsel. Now, Stephanie, go to the next slide, and I want you to see a picture. Okay, some of you know what that little green dot means on the back of that football helmet, if you're a big football fan. And some of you have never noticed that before and don't know why that is. But there is only, in the NFL, there's only one player on offense and one player on defense that has a little green sticker on the back of their helmet. That little green sticker means that they have a built-in radio inside their helmet that they can listen to coaches and coaches can give them information. So on offense in the NFL, it usually is the quarterback. And so instead of like, maybe if you played football growing up or you've watched football, um, you see the coach tells like a player, usually a wide receiver, what the play is. And then the he runs into the, as fast as he can, then he tells the quarterback, then the quarterback turns and tells everyone in the huddle. Well, in the NFL, they went high tech and they just quit, like scraped all that. So Peyton Manning, uh, any quarterback, Aaron Rodgers can hear the coach call out a play or tell them something in their headset because they have a little green dot. Also, whoever would be the captain on defense would also have a, have a built-in radio, but only one person on each team on offense or defense can have that on the field at a time. Now, it's interesting when you think about that because it's like, okay, there's like voices in my head then. I mean, I could have this helmet on and I'm hearing this stuff like come through my head. And, and in a really strange way, when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, it's like God speaks through the Holy Spirit who Jesus said is with us and in us and we're able to hear things in this invisible world through the Holy Spirit. So it's like you have a little green dot right on the back of your head. So if somebody goes out and goes, you get a green dot on the back of your head. You're like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. He lives in me. He lives within me. That's what Pastor Dan said. So let's go on and look at an, another couple verses here in John 14. Skip down to verse 25 if you're, if you're following along there. This is Jesus speaking again. And he says, all this I have spoken while still with you. 
But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. And peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now it's important to see that the Holy Spirit wasn't planned be for Jesus. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to leave. I got to come up with something here. So uh, he's looking around going, mm, what am I going to do? These people are really going to miss me. Uh, I got to come up with something fast. Um, okay, Holy Spirit, are you busy? Like, because maybe you could go down there when I leave. It wasn't like that at all. No, from the very beginning of time, when God understood that he was going to send his son Jesus, that Jesus was going to be here to live on earth, to be perfect, to be a sacrifice, to be ro- raised from the dead, then God was going to send his Holy Spirit to dwell within his people. And then there was a promise in that verse, in verse 27, that those who understand and believe and follow and have the Holy Spirit, there's a promise of peace that it said, which is very much like the verse that we looked at at the very beginning of the service when it talked about in Proverbs that if we acknowledge him in all our ways, he will make our path straight. It's the same kind of thinking. The promise is that you will make it and you will get through life be- because when, as you navigate all that's going on in your world, that God's spirit is able to speak, that you are able to hear him and then you're able to respond to him. And so part of discovering God's will is being connected, being connected to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Go to the next slide, please, Stephanie. All right. This is just a shot that I picked up off of Google Images, but it's basically taken with a, a camcorder or a camera that uses infrared night vision. Now, maybe you may... Ha- I used to have a camcorder that had this little night vision feature, and it, it's pretty amazing. Or if you watch the TV show Survivor, sometimes you'll watch, and they'll do at night and people are kind of green because they do it in the dark. The military actually flies helicopters with this kind of technology. In the total night darkness, they're able to fly helicopters because they're able to see. So night vision, infrared technology allows you to, it sees things that you cannot see with your eyes. So it can be pitch black, totally pitch black, and infrared night vision allows you to see. In fact, they're, they're putting this technology in some of high-end luxury cars now that are able to, to see things and are able to see things that you can't. So how does that relate to you and I? Well, in many ways, when we believe, when we trust, when we listen to the Holy Spirit, we get glimpses into the invisible world. We hear promptings. We see things that are going on or see the results of what's going on in the invisible world. Many, in many ways, just like this whole infrared night vision. Because the Holy Spirit who lives within us and is with us is to guide, prompt, protect, and counsel all of the decisions that we make. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you're following along that way, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to look at another passage there in which Paul is going to show us four different ingredients to following the Holy Spirit that we're going to see happen in his, whole, in his life as what's going on. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, starting with verse 5. And the first thing that we're going to see that Paul talks about is the sensitivity to God's leading. That if you're going to listen and follow the Holy Spirit, you have to have a sensitivity to God's leading. Look at verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 16. This is Paul writing, and he says, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia 
perhaps I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey. Now, why does he say perhaps? He says perhaps because he is being sensitive to God's leading. He's not saying perhaps because he just can't make up his mind. He's not saying perhaps because he's not really a very good planner and he doesn't, he likes to, you know, be able to do things on the spur of the moment. He's saying that because he's being sensitive to God's leading in his life and saying that, you know what, I might stay there, I might not stay there. However God's going to lead me, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow what God is doing because the Holy Spirit doesn't work by beating you over the head. Okay, the Holy Spirit's not going to show up and like, you know, put your hands behind your back, twist your arm, make you go do something. The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit isn't like a drill sergeant. The Holy Spirit whispers. He whispers. He prompts. He nudges. He suggests. And you and I have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And there's no way that we will... figure out or, or discover God's will in our life if we're not sensitive to God's leading. The second thing that we see, the second ingredient that Paul talks about is an openness to God's direction. Look at the second part of verse six. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. Again, why does he say wherever I go? Because Paul is saying, I am open to God's direction in my life. I've not predetermined it. I've not said, here's my 20-year plan. This is what I'm doing. It's like, God's going to lead me, and I'm going to follow, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to say, and I'm going to not do, and I'm going to go where God leads me. And an important ingredient in the Holy Spirit is our openness and direction to God's Spirit. It's kind of the difference between a sailboat and a rowboat. Okay? Both are watercrafts. Both float. With a rowboat, a rowboat will go anywhere you decide to go. A sailboat will only go where the wind takes you. So you can live your life either way. You can row your boat or you can put your sail up. And when you put your sail up, God says, I've got this incredible force and I've got these incredible places that I want you to go. And I want to open up this incredible opportunity for you, but you're going to have to lift up your sail and you're going to have to go with me. You're going to have to be open to the direction that I want for your life. Now, here's what I can promise you. If you do that, if you put your sail up, You may not be in control of where the Holy Spirit decides to take you, but he will not ever take you to the wrong place, okay? You may not be in control of where he takes you, but he will never take you to the wrong place. Meaning like if you've got this thing in your life and and you're wondering, you know, what should I do? You know, let me throw out a couple examples. So you're thinking, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm a mother and maybe I should, maybe I should stay home with my kids instead of work. I, I, and I feel like God's asking me to do that. If, if God is asking you to do that and you're hearing that from God, if you follow through, God will always be there to provide for you. God will, will never, the Holy Spirit will never give you a direction and then leave you hanging out to dry. If you hear the Holy Spirit prompting you that maybe there's a relationship, a dating relationship you have in your life and you know it's not good for you, you know it's toxic and you hear God saying, you know what, you just need to, you need to break it off. You need to move on. You need to trust me. If you do that, God will always, always provide and be there. He will never lead you to the wrong place. If you hear God convicting you that, you know, maybe I should trust God with part of my 
income. Maybe I need to be generous. Maybe I need to tithe as the Bible commands. And, and God is telling you that. If God is telling you that and you obey him, he will always be there to provide for the needs that you have. You may not know where God is taking you, but when you follow him, when you follow the Holy Spirit, he will never, ever lead you to the wrong place. You can either do it the rowboat way or you can do it the sailboat way. Another thing that Paul points out in an ingredient of following the Holy Spirit is a willingness to obey God's guidance. Verse 7 of that passage, we read him saying, I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend time with you if the Lord permits. So Paul was very willing to obey God's guidance because the Holy Spirit, one of the things he does is guide us. Now, I led a short-term mission trip uh, to a country in North Africa about 10 years ago and uh, realized the importance of having a guide. I was in charge of a group of people of about 10. We were traveling all around this country. We were visiting different Christians. We were praying for the church there. We were seeing some amazing things. We did not know the language. Uh, I was totally unfamiliar with the culture. It was, in a, it was in a Muslim culture. And we had a guide who was amazing because he had spent a lot of time in that country. He understood the culture. He could speak the language. He actually looked like one of them and didn't look like, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, a tourist like we look like tourists. And so... I understood that. In fact, I can't tell you this whole story, but one time we uh, left the guide and he sent us back on a train to get off and go to our hotel and we got lost. And if you've ever been lost in a foreign country and you can't speak the language and you're in charge of a group of people and they're all looking at you like, what do we do, Dan? What do we do, Dan? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what we do. Uh, you understand the importance of having a guide. So part of the Holy Spirit's role is to help you and I and to guide us. And we have to have a willingness to obey God's guidance. Now, the fourth ingredient that we see that Paul mentions about the Holy Spirit is a recognition of God's promptings. Look at verse eight. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effectiveness, for effective work has opened to me. And there are also many who oppose me so the Holy Spirit opens doors and closes doors in our life to reveal God's will. So maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've asked God for something. Maybe you thought, well, okay, there's this job opportunity. And maybe, God, is that what you want me? I think maybe that's what you want me to do. And it's like, bam! You know, it's, it's like that when you hit your face on, on, on a, a closed door. You know, have you ever had somebody slam a door in your face? And you're like okay, maybe that's not the job opportunity that you want for me, God. But God opens and closes doors to, as a way of revealing his will. The Holy Spirit works and, and opens and closes. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes when the door closes, it's, it's not the door that we want closed. We wanted that door open. We didn't want that door closed. So many times our our um, instinct is to, well, I'll just pry it open or I'll just kick it down because um, I wanted that job or I wanted to buy that house or I wanted to do that thing or I wanted that relationship and God closed the door and obviously I know more than God does, so I'll just knock the door down. That's not a good idea, okay? Remember what I said earlier that you, trusting God, you may not know where you're going, but you're never going to go to the wrong place. When you trust yourself, many times you will end up in the wrong place because you're, because you're not trusting the role of the Holy Spirit to prompt, to guide, to convict 
in your life. Now, I want to share with you three practical ways that I think that you can trust and believe and hear and and follow this invisible world that we're talking about. These are just three practical things, okay? So I'm going to tell you what they are, and it's going to be your, uh, your role and your responsibility to tap into them. Here's the first thing. More Holy Spirit. The first way to get more of the Holy Spirit in your life is spiritual disciplines. What do I mean by that? Reading God's Word, praying, meditating, fasting, memorizing Scripture, Those are all disciplines that when you do those things, those promptings from God, the things in that invisible world will start to be louder and more clear to you. And you think, well, well, that doesn't sound very fun. Well, it's about discipline. It's the same way as if you're going to run in a marathon and, you know, you think that you could be overweight, out of shape, eat uh, hot dogs and potato chips every day, and you're going to go sign up for this marathon. You're just going to take off and run in it. It's not going to work that way. We know that physically. In the spiritual world, it works the same way. You will hear from God more when you are in tune with what God is saying, with who God is, and you increase that relationship with him. Next week, we're going to talk about the Bible and um, God's word a whole lot more, but spiritual disciplines are a very important part. Second thing, spiritual experiences. In my life, some of the, the biggest growing points have been when I put myself in a spiritual experience that was away from my norm, away from my day-to-day. I allowed God um, to do things, and I heard things from Him, and I saw more, and I grew more, and I was stretched. Because many times, I don't think as, when we grow as Christians, it's not like this even thing where we just grow like, you know, 5% every year. For my life, it's been like up and down. And, and, and the peaks of growing up have, have many times come through these experiences, like a short-term mission trip. Some of you have t- been on the walk to Emmaus. Some of you have been to Chrysalis. Some of you have been to youth conferences. Some of you have been to Christian retreats. Some of you have been to Promise Keepers, Women of Faith conferences, different things like that, that somehow you're outside of your comfort zone. You're infused with, with God's teaching in, in a more impactful way, and God uses those spiritual experiences many times to jumpstart, to boost our relationship with him and the growth that we need in our trust in the Holy Spirit. The third practical way is spiritual decisions. So many people, and this is true in my own life, but I think so many people are like one small decision away from experiencing God in a beautiful way, but it's the last very part of it that you're afraid of. It's like standing on the edge of a cliff and you're looking down, you know, it's that one last step. It's you're so close, but God is prompting, God is speaking, God is saying, and you know that, you know that, but but the last part of it is your choice, and that last part is so difficult to give up. Many times there's something in our life or there's a habit or there's some reason that we just will not give up. We will not make that spiritual decision. We will not take that leap of faith. But until you do, you will not experience the Holy Spirit like God wants you to experience him. Now, three questions I wanna, want you to consider. Okay, these are questions. This is your part. I don't have the answers for you for these questions, but I want you to ask God these questions. If you'll ask God these questions, I think you will hear answers. And then if you are not only willing to hear, but then obey, God will do some huge things. The first question is this, what step do you need to take with spiritual disciplines? 
Maybe it's a big step. Maybe it's a small step. Maybe um, your, your time with spiritual disciplines is like zero. Do something small. Get something started. Spend time in God's word, praying. But what step do you need to take with spiritual disciplines to discover God's will and to know the Holy Spirit? Second step, what spiritual experience do you need to commit to? Maybe somebody has asked you to join them on a retreat or a conference or something. Uh, maybe someone will. But when that opportunity comes, is there an opportunity out there that you need to take that you know you need to say, I need to, I know I'm busy. I know that there's kids to take care of. I know all those things. It costs money. Yeah, 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 all that. But you know that God is saying, you need to do this. You need to do it. What is that for you? And the third one is this. What spiritual decision or step of faith is the Holy Spirit prompting you to take? Last week after the sermon, somebody came up to me and they were like, uh, have you been listening to our conversations? Because like the things you were talking about, we've been talking about at our house. And, uh, and I said, no, that's, that's the Holy Spirit doing that. But for some of you out there, there's this, there's this thing in your life, there's this question, maybe it's the question you wrote down last week on the post-it note that was on your chair. What's God asking you? What question do you have from God? Where are you at? And are you willing to take a step of faith by the prompting of the Holy Spirit? What is that for you? I'm convinced that if you will seek God's answers to those questions, that you will experience the Holy Spirit in a deeper and richer way. You will tap into the invisible world and you will discover God's will for your life. Because the Holy Spirit's role is to guide, to prompt, to protect, and to counsel you. Let me pray for you. Hey God, uh, I ask now that um, your spirit would work in our hearts and would show us application to these things that we've learned. Um, Father, help us to um, know that there is this vis invisible world around us. And Father, your Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us is whispering and is speaking and trying to nudge and trying to prompt. And Father, there may be a person here today that's just been so resistant to that. I pray for that person that they would just release that today and uh, they would take a step of faith. Father, I pray that you would help us to increase our relationship with you by spiritual disciplines and, and knowing you in a deeper level because we will be able to hear your voice better when we do that. And Father, I pray that we would be open to putting ourselves in environments where we know that you're going to speak and where you're going to stretch and where you're going to show us. And uh, help us to find those. Help us to see them when they come our way. Help us to, to sort through those and just, just know that we'll experience you deeper. But Father, we all want to discover your will for our lives. And part of that is just trusting your Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending it. Thank you um, for the rich promptings. Thank you for the comfort that comes to the Holy Spirit. And Father, my prayer as a pastor is that as a person and as a church, we would lean in to the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And we say this prayer in his name. Amen. We're going to share in taking the Lord's Supper together, which ha has two elements of bread, which represents Jesus' body, and juice, which represents his blood that was shed on the cross. And I'm going to say a prayer here in a moment, and there'll be a station 
right where I am and one to my right and one to my left. And the way we do it here at Exodus is if you are a follower of Christ, you are welcome to come and participate and take the Lord's Supper. Just take a piece of bread when you come up and tear it off, dip it in the juice. You can take it right then or you can take it back to you, back to your chair with you. Uh, at the same time, 